Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Evolve, featuring your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and this show is Evolve, and I'd like to explore the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture. Today, my guest is Lynn Anderson, who is the author of Invented by the Night, published in 2011, and Affection for the Unknowable, published in 2003, both from Hummingbird Press. He also wrote a chapbook called Beep, a version of history of the personal computer rendered in free verse in the manner of Howell by Allen Ginsberg. He received his PhD in physics from UC Berkeley, worked in experimental elementary particle physics at Berkeley and Ecole Polytechnique in France, and developed sensors for the automation of paper manufacturing and private industry. His poetry has appeared in a variety of journals and anthology. Uh, He received a nomination for the Pushcart Prize in DMQ Review and is the winner of the Dragonfly Press Poetry Competition and the Mary Lohnberg Smith Poetry Award. He received the 2011 Dragonfly Press Award for Outstanding Literary Achievement. He is the co-founder of Poetry Santa Cruz and serves as secretary-treasurer. Welcome, Len. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, you're a poet and a physicist, and um, I think that is just such a great combination, (laughs) especially with the kinds of poetry that you write, which has a lot to do with the universe at this stage of your poetry writing. Can you talk a little bit about the intersection of being a poet and a scientist and how the two get along? Well, that's a complex subject, of course, but I, you know, they are very, these two legs are very far apart in me, (laughs) but they join somewhere. (laughs) Maybe at the heart or something. (laughs) Well, probably multiple places, but it's, it's, it's fun for me to explore that. Uh, the contrast and the the places where they do meet, mm-hmm. and so that that influences what I write. Mm-hmm. And I I will say that one thing that they have in common is that I have a lot of curiosity, mm-hmm. and so in both the science and in poetry, I'm asking questions, mm-hmm. and I'm not always coming up with a definitive answer, (laughs) especially in the poetry. (laughs) Well, I would imagine in particle physics, you don't necessarily have definitive answers either. Probably raise more questions than you you have answers. Is is that true from your experience or not? Uh, That is true. And uh, it's it's called a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because... You know, if we didn't have questions, then we wouldn't have any science at all. Mm-hmm. So so if, if every experimental result, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the experimental end of the things, if every result ends in two or five questions, that's really good. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't lose our jobs, and, <laughs> and we can... Uh, 
explore those questions, and we're going to learn more, you know. As a result of by, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and get more questions as a result. Yeah. Well, that's pretty fun. Um, I know you more as a poet because we're part of the same poetry critique group and have been for many years. And, of course, you're part of Poetry Santa Cruz here in, in Santa Cruz. Um, how did you get involved with Poetry Santa Cruz? I mean, I know you're one of the co-founders, isn't that right? That is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, studying at Cabrillo College, taking a, a poetry class from Joseph Stroud, who is a you know fabulous poet. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there were other students in the class who were also writing poetry and, and having fun with me. And uh, one of them, Dennis Morton, was the had been the co-host of the poetry show on KUSP. And I'll say that he still is. Yeah. <laughs> Many years He's, later. Yeah. Uh, and this was back in 2001 that this, you know, what I'm narrating about here. Mm-hmm. But I'll mention that uh, the Poetry Show is a radio show on KUSP 88.9 in Santa Cruz, 88.9 FM. Uh, but they also have a website, KUSP.org. And uh, all the past shows are uh, on a uh, an archive on, mm-hmm. on, that's available by clicking on the place right place on the website Mm -hmm. and so uh and also are available at the moment the show is going on um uh, on the website by clicking the right place on the website then Mm -hmm. so that's every sunday night uh from 9 to 10 p.m western time Mm -hmm. uh but dennis morton uh, told me he'd like to start up something called Poetry Santa Cruz. He, you know, I was the first person he came and talked to about it. And so he talked to some other people, and we had a meeting, and lo and behold, we, <laughs> <laughs> this Poetry Santa Cruz is an organization that puts on poetry readings in Santa Cruz County, and we've been in existence since March 2001. And we put on currently about 27 events per year. Mm-hmm. And you have you bring in a lot of outside authors and a lot of people that are involved in the in poetry on a national level as well. So I mean, you're bringing in people that are writing poetry in a big way out there. <laughs> yes, we yeah. yeah. Uh, Dennis reads widely, and he <laughs> is on the. Uh, the list of poetry publishers that they, so they send him their fresh books. Uh-huh. <laughs> and of course that means he gets more than he can handle, but uh, what he handles, you know, there are plenty of people who are happy to come out and read for us. And we've been very fortunate to have uh, some wonderful writers mm-hmm. and continue to be fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great it's a great service to the community. I mean, Poetry Santa Cruz is behind most of the poetry readings that we have, including um part, you know, involvement in Morton Marcus poetry reading and many other events that happen during the year. So Maud Mian 
events, the other other events that have um, gone on all all that go on all year long. So it's pretty great. It's a pretty great organization. So thanks for starting it. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. My pleasure. So I want to get back to your poetry now that we've kind of handled the uh, poetry Santa Cruz a part of your life. Um, and the idea of you being both physicist and uh, scientist and poet, how do, how is your writing? Well, I, I would say, how do you how do you write? When, when do you do you sit down every day? Do you work every day at it? Do you kind of do it when you're inspired? A lot of people have different ways of going about writing, but how is your process? Yeah, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> you write every day. <laughs> No, I don't write every day, actually, but I, I do write uh, two, three times a week, mm -hmm. but primarily I write <laughs> the afternoon of the day uh, on which we have our our, our, our group. <laughs> critique group meeting. Uh -huh. And it turns out I'm in three groups, actually, mm -hmm. uh, though one of them only meets maybe six times a year and one of them once a month and then our group meets uh, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a bit of opportunity to get feedback on poems and, uh -huh. and I am stimulated to write uh, quite a bit. When the, the kind of everyday thing, which is not quite everyday, is that one of my processes is that first thing when I wake up in the morning, I sometimes think of something or I just pause or I remember a dream and write that dream down. I have the pad right next to my bed. Mm -hmm. And uh, then sometimes I have some thoughts, some weird thoughts that come into my head mm -hmm. and I write them down. And then... You know, I'm in that mood, so maybe something else comes. You know, I mm -hmm. sort of get on a string of them, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I might have five or ten even sometimes. And then later, uh, after eating breakfast, I can uh, get to work on those things. Or you know, mm -hmm. uh, on the Thursday afternoon before we have our <laughs> our group meeting, uh -huh. and play with those threads. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and. You know, I, I'm open to looking at them in any way. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I do sometimes when I sit down on the afternoon before our, our meeting, uh, I actually go to a coffee shop, sit there, have a tea and maybe a brownie or something like that. And I read one of my favorite authors for like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I have this strange feeling coming over me that it's something like there are no words for what we need to say, we mm -hmm. poets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I feel the difficulty, you know, the impossibility of what I want to do. So I feel very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I, I say, okay, I have to surrender, and I do surrender. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, then I can put down the book, pick up my journal and my pen, and I just allow whatever comes. You know, I, 
I write that down with my pen. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, isn't that the the amazing part of writing poetry? Is that we don't always know when it's going to come, and then when it does come, it often is a surprise, or or maybe it's not exactly what we wanted to say, but it's when it comes out really clearly. It's as if it comes through you. It doesn't really come out of you in a certain way. And sometimes it does come out of you, but it's like there's it's that amazing boiling process. It's just such a mystery to me. Um, but I, that's a great way to describe it, you know, that it just kind of this place of feeling like you can't do it, and then you you put your pen to paper, and there it is. Yeah, and so in a way, you know, the... The human mind is much bigger than the part that we normally access with our eyes open. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and so this is, a you know, those two ways, the, mm-hmm. the liminal thoughts first thing in the morning mm-hmm. and the surrender are, are two ways of getting closer to the part that we don't normally access very well. Yeah, yeah. So would you read a poem for us? I know you've got a few here for us to listen to, and I'd love to hear what you have to say here. Okay, yeah. Um, The title of my first book, as you said, is Affection for the Unknowable. And I'll read the first poem, uh, the title poem, the eponymous poem uh, for that book. Mm -hmm. Affection for the Unknowable. Let's chop down the beanstalk climbing into the sky of I am sure. Let's roast the giant in the holy fires of doubt and make our song, We Are Not Sure. At age seven, I lived in the presence of God. When the priest asked me to confess my sins, I could only answer, I'm not sure. How many souls burn in the flames of war because a few men are not man enough to say, I am not sure. In ninth grade algebra, I took as my guru X. I follow still its first teaching. To know me, say first, I'm not sure. Aquinas had it all wrong. Our language must describe the world not the world conform to language. To be human is to hang on the cross ever unsure. Every atom in the universe is a quantum cloud of doubt. God must really like I'm not sure's. A friend asks, why drag God into your poems? Early in life, I grew fond of the unknowable. And one of the names of God is, I'm not sure. We speak and the tongue trembles. We sing, the whole body quakes. All the libraries in the world add up to, I'm not sure. It's scary how quiet Len can be. His whole body fixed, breathing stilled, eyes turned down, deep in another I'm not sure. I love that. So your poem, that poem is uh, 
a gazelle. Is that right? A chazel or how you yeah, pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, well, you can say it whichever way you like <laughs> because yeah. we're Americans. We <laughs> <laughs> can mess up language, other people's languages. Because well. even if we say chazel, we're probably not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you you write a, a, quite a few chazels. It's a form of uh, where the, the last line has to repeat. Uh, there's a couple of rules to it. Yeah, there's right. a couple of rules. Um, it's from 10th century Persia, and it's still used widely, you know, all the way to India and Pakistan, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and doesn't it, the last word or the last few words have to be the same on the second line of each of the stanzas, and then you have to have your name in it toward the last stanza, and there's a couple of other... Something else repeats. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll say what I can. I, okay. First of all, I don't follow it strictly. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, they wrote it in in metric verse, uh-huh. and I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm twentieth, twenty first century American, and mm-hmm. we take liberties. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and. Also, so so they have a sound, mm-hmm. which called a refrain, a word or maybe two or three words even, mm-hmm. that are repeated uh, at at the end of lines. Mm-hmm. And to make that more precise, it is it is written in two line stanzas. Mm-hmm. And so in the first stanza, that sound, the refrain, is at the end of both lines. Mm-hmm. So that tell, you know, that gets you started. Oh, I, that's what I need to be listening for uh-huh. as a reader. Uh-huh. Um, but they also, uh, you know, in, in the strict form, they put a rhyme before that sound. Mm-hmm. And it's written in metrical verse. Mm-hmm. So I don't use the rhyme before the last sound. <laughs> And I I don't use metrical verse, but they're all two-line stanzas, and they all, they all uh, in the following stanzas, the uh, the refrain sound is only at the end of the second line mm-hmm. in the okay. stanza. Okay. And as you said, in the final stanza, you put your name. And that was done because in Persia, I mean, you know, they didn't, publish a lot of things uh, <laughs> it was it was very poetry was very oral mm-hmm. and so they uh when somebody loved a poem by somebody else they might memorize it they go to another village and recite it for people there and then that final stanza becomes the signature stanza which tells everybody who wrote that poem mm-hmm. Wow. Well, so so that form developed out of oral oral speech, as most poetry has. I mean, most of the forms have come out of natural speech over campfires, but that particular form with the name at the end is the way that you would identify the poet. So that's it's an important part of that particular form. Yeah. 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 That's great. I love it. So I'd like to have you read one more poem, and then we'll take a little break and uh, come back. And Okay, well, I'll read another ghazal, mm-hmm. open ghazal. Kiss the hand and cheek, kiss 
the lips that open. Kiss the eyes and tears. Kiss the wounds that open. The nuclei of our atoms are so small, we are mostly nothing. Whoever made them made our stone walls out of windows always open. A bag too dark to see, too big to lift, too familiar to walk away from, deep in a thicket. God grant me strength to drag it into the open. 610 stuck on the freeway again. Love is singing with window and throat wide open. My friend refused to greet the stranger in black, was brought to the surgeon who cut his heart open. Go ahead, I dare you, take another breath. Each one is full of what 14 billion years ago blew this world open. We safe-cracker poets sand fingertips, pass long nights on our knees, all to feel those clicks that mean the door will spring open. Len says, I love the night sky. I adore the Milky Way. It is the edge of her robe. See how gently it opens. Mm, wonderful. Well, I love the, the cosmos in there and how you bring in, in your previous poem, the physics ideas and mystery the mystery's always under there somewhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so. you know we hang out together a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it well thank you and we're going to come back in just a minute i'm with len anderson who's the author of invented by night uh and affection for the unknowable both published by hummingbird press um, he is also a physicist and received his Ph.D. in physics from UC Berkeley, and he's worked in France and at UC Berkeley, and we'll be right back. This is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and the show is Evolve. Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Uh, hi, this is Robin White Turtle Disney, and I'm going to play a little interlude here. Uh, this is from Irene Ferreira, and it's called uh, Olivia. Gotas, poco a poco van cayendo. Gotas, que en la noche van trayendo. 
a white person with blonde hair <laughs> can do. <laughs> Not exactly gypsy. <laughs> right. I don't look like a gypsy, no. But uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun and, and uh, you know, opened my mind in, in another direction. Yeah. So this poem comes from a gathering that one of us, uh, one of the members of our group had um, for a birthday. The gypsies bring us to the mouth of the river for the flamencos. You may have heard that the soul is not ours, but is entrusted to us by a river. This is that river. We light a campfire and guitars come out. Bare feet pound the hard clay. The whole way here, we sang songs of pilgrimage. There were only tears of joy. Now, with that moon propped up there so delicately, and all this water coming from somewhere and going somewhere, it is time to take up that cry we found abandoned by the wind. Some say we never die as long as we dance. Others that we dance only as long as we live. The old ones say we give something back to the river. Mm, love that. So when you were in Europe, did you ever run into bands of gypsies when you were there? Uh, well, when I was in Europe and, and when I went to Spain, mm. <laughs> of course I saw them. Uh-huh. And, uh, but really what uh, influenced me at that time, that was really when I became interested in flamenco music, mm-hmm. was hearing it on the radio, mm-hmm. which I had never heard when I was living in the United States. Mm-hmm. So that that was the seed, and then when uh, I came back to the United States and uh, met my woman who would become my wife, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw a news item that said that there's a flamenco guitarist that would be performing in a nearby cafe, and so <laughs> we went and heard her, and that started the whole thing. Oh, how great. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, flamingo certainly has its uh, duende. You know, they talk about duende, uh, about the kind of the mystery or that moment of uh, where the the gypsies are uh, are hitting some kind of note or some kind of mysterious spin. Or I'm not exactly sure how you would exactly describe duende, but it's very much a part of poetry. How would you say it can be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it can, can be. be. Yeah. Uh, but you know, most of us don't get that deep into it. But uh, it's really in, in flamenco. It's like position. Mm. You know, the the flamenco performers uh, in, from the gypsy culture, they start hearing it when they're, you know, still in the womb. Mm-hmm. And 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 the, uh there are other people in the family, at least the larger family, who who are performing and so it's a natural part of their culture. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and they learn it from childhood. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the other thing is, I mean, I don't know, Federico Garcia Lorca, a Spanish poet, wrote mm-hmm. a wonderful essay on this, and I, maybe I'll remember the title of the essay, but mm-hmm. uh, it's available on the internet. Um, and he says that uh, in order for Duende to happen, death has to be in the room. Mm-hmm. So you are conscious that you are going to die, that the people you love are going to die, and you are deep because of that. Mm-hmm. You're completely vulnerable. Uh, you're not the master of anything. Mm-hmm. So you, you descend down into that and and live with that sense of the world and your own life. Mm-hmm. And that's duende. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because duende is like a, it's a grief, really a deep grief. But also a deep love for life that kind of erupts out of poetry. That yeah, I, that I you, you hear it in certain moments. And right. Yeah. I mean, and that is what I was aiming for in the poem that I read. Uh-huh. Yeah. The old ones say we give something back to the river. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I love it. All right. So you have another poem for us? Okay. This one um, is more allied to the physics end of things, Mm -hmm. but um, um, it it has its little surprises anyway. History. Next time a major league slugger has just socked one into the right field bleachers with bases loaded... After he's rounded home, strolled into the dugout and eased onto the bench, you might sit down next to him and casually explain that in order to hit a fastball, you must decide to swing by the time the ball leaves the pitcher's hand without seeing whether that ball is headed at the catcher's mitt or at your own head. After you clear this up for him, you could be re- you could be of real service and take it up with the president. If that goes well, why don't you drop over and see how I'm taking it? Meanwhile, there may be something right now just about to leave the pitcher's hand. Whether you hit the ball and where depends on You're becoming one with the unwinding of the pitcher's body. The pitch, with its unknown spin, launched through unseen currents of air. A hunch you must sometimes follow or be struck out. A touch of guidance you give to the height of the bat. And your last few thousand swings. So it dawns on me with that poem as well as with the gypsy poem that that you have an an interesting intersection of things that come together there 
talk about your spirituality because certainly baseball can be, if anyone can wax lyrical about baseball, it's usually because it has some deeper meaning for them than guys running around bases. And it has, of course, it's about the it's about life. So as as duendes about life and death and so talk a little bit about your spirituality because in on this show it's it's totally great <laughs> to talk about that stuff because that's part of what we're exploring is is the mystery and how we use creativity to actually help us evolve so i just want to throw that out there to you yeah um and that is relevant to this poem. Absolutely. Because uh, we all have to make choices, and we don't have the full information, and <laughs> yeah. that can be fatal or <laughs> absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're stumbling along. You know, we're we're all stumbling along, and and we have to be humble about it, which mm-hmm. is certainly one of the teachings mm-hmm. of spiritual uh, teachers everywhere. Well, like a few thousand times that you've swung at the bat, like in the last <laughs> line of that poem, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, and most of the times you right. miss the ball, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So humility, I'm hearing that humility is an important part of your spirituality. Yeah, so, uh, and I mean, Shakespeare said this, wonderful thing which I can't quote exactly but he said that the uh, the the one who thinks he's wise is a fool and the one who knows he's a fool is wise mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's a really lovely way of saying it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, one of the things I mean I I you know, I was brought up Catholic. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to be in college, I did a little reading about the Catholic Church and <laughs> found out them about them putting people to death and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And that sort of mm-hmm. didn't make me feel so good uh, about the church. And so I, I investigated, you know, other spiritualities like, you know, the Hindu and Buddhist and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And um, holy cow, you know, that opened things up so that all things seemed to aim out there somewhere Uh (laughs) or deep in there somewhere. Right. And it's hard to tell the difference between those two. And uh, I'm going there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever way I can. Mm -hmm. And I admit that I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I... Do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you meditate on a regular basis? I or? do meditate, but mm-hmm. not on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly that thing that I do with the liminal thought, mm-hmm. the first thing in the morning when I wake up, that is a form of meditation. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Uh, Interesting. Well, I think that, you know, as we grow, I mean, uh, certainly the college is where I, I first discovered different forms of spirituality as as well as through various friends who were in different kinds of religious teachings or practices like Native American spirituality or Hinduism or Buddhism. 
And um, so I think it gives you an opportunity to explore world cultures. And I mean, we're at such a, it's such a, a place here in, in California, especially where um, there's so many different Buddhist and Hindu and, um, you know, Christian and Jewish and I mean everything is mixed here together. I mean there's there's mixture, but then there's also different kinds. I mean I think we have probably ten centers in Santa Cruz County of Buddhist tradition, <laughs> one form mm-hmm. or another. You know I can yeah. I I can name five of them just off the top of my head. But we have you know Tibetan Buddhism and we have Zen Buddhism and we, you know there's so many different kinds of centers, but. Uh, it all it all is a way to explore ourselves and explore the inner workings of our um, consciousness and our lack of consciousness, both, you know. So that's pretty good, pretty interesting to hear that from you because we, we actually have never had a conversation about it in all the years we've known each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. So you you would describe your spirituality as as one that evolves around poetry. Well, that's what one of the ways that I explore it. That's mm-hmm. pr- the primary way that I explore it because I'm so hung up on poetry. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but uh, I've you know I have uh, I, I read other kinds of books mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I know some things about the history of uh, human beings and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and spirituality mm-hmm. and different ways of looking at it. Yeah. Okay, so let's have one more poem and then we'll take another break. And what do you have there for us? Um, okay, this is 20 Aphorisms. Every flower is a book on love and survival. Shipwreck goes over better on the second date. (laughs) There is no declarative without a capital I. Daily my gods are humbled. Philosophy is the process of following the longings of the mind. Belief and unbelief are two forms of the failure to sustain longing. A canticle a day keeps the metaphysician away. (laughs) History tells us when you are sated from dining on the gods, you can take up eating the world. Morality, that poor substitute for love, authority, that poor substitute for morality. For every psychological problem, there's a metaphysical solution. Not only is all one, it's much more than that. There might be another world, or even many, but we hardly even know this one. What do I believe in? Scratching my head and paying attention. On a sphere, every point is the top and the bottom. 
God has many forms, and one of them is non-existence. If hanging out by an abyss is not your thing, take up knitting. Eternity is the opening of an eye, each moment a veil. I stay away from superstitions. They bring bad luck. A human being can rationalize anything. The easiest person for me to fool is he with whom I have the most practice. (laughs) I love that. Well, you have such a sense of humor that I just... I love it because it it has uh, these little twists in there. Um, especially, I was like looking at that. Um, stay away from superstitions; they bring bad luck. I mean, there's always this little turn <laughs> that you're able to create your poetry that I think is so funny. Well, so. there's a lot of things to be, you know, <laughs> laughing at. <laughs> laughing at, yeah. Especially humanity in general. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for that poem. Uh, I I love the uh, I love how you bring in different things and kind of clash them together. You know, the um, Canticle a Day keeps the metaphysicians away. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So anyway, I I'm uh, very much appreciative of how you. I mean, writing an aphorism like that. Did you get these from somewhere, or did you like get inspired by them, or because they're not that easy to write? They're really actually quite challenging to write. To if you think of like sitting down and writing something that someone would take forward as a saying, um, which is kind of what aphorism is, then you're you're taking this each one of those lines uh, as like a statement of something that someone could repeat as a, 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 like a, you know, a parable or something of life, really. So how did you come up with these? Just a well, curiosity. yeah, that's a good question because that's kind of complex. I actually, quite a few of these are things that I just jotted down in my journal over, you know, and the, so these come from about 10 years. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, I was going to say, because to sit down and try to think of those would be really difficult. But yeah. to, to kind of like have them come up every once in a while. But some of them came from uh, poems that I started to write and were failed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some of them came from, well, now I've got 10 of these things, you know, mm-hmm. Let me try to write some more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that was twenty. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> at yeah. some point, I did, I did make an effort, and you know. But even that process took many months. Yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a very long term project. Well, and you know, a lot of people think that poetry is is uh, something you just sit down and do, but it isn't. It's also an evolution, often an evolution of thoughts that have been going on for a long time that you kind of pluck from here and pluck from there and then like you're like you did in this poem you put them together into one poem and it, it can take years of kind of 
recognizing that those threads go together or that they could go together. Um, so I'm imagining you keep a journal. <laughs> or you well, keep several. I, I keep, yeah, I do keep a journal uh, that is, you know, a piece, a little book that's has <laughs> blank pages. Mm-hmm. And so when I sit down to write, I'm using that. Mm-hmm. I don't jump on a computer right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do tend to to grab anything of even half worth mm-hmm. from my journal and and type it into then a version uh, something a, a a journal on my computer and that is uh, you know a file that covers a whole year's worth of this stuff mm-hmm. and I also put in there poems that I like mm-hmm. uh, from someone else. Uh, or you know quotes I like mm-hmm. from that I think are wise or mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. Uh, from someone else, mm-hmm. and uh, so that is part of the fun and my dreams mm-hmm. and, and my liminal thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that all goes in there, and then you know those things are sitting around and. If I want some inspiration, I can go back to one eight years ago and look in there and see, holy cow, I said that? (laughs) Where did I get that from? (laughs) And sometimes, you know, that's a way to start a poem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and that's, that's part of the process of, I think, for me, being a poet is having those journals or those books that I can go back to and look through. And and suddenly I'm finding myself reading stuff that I I forgot totally that I even wrote, and then it, it might end up in something like like your aphorisms. Yeah, and <laughs> and you used the word process mm-hmm. there earlier, mm-hmm. and that I mean that is possible because at the time you put it down, you weren't ready, you know, or I wasn't ready mm-hmm. to turn that into a poem, but. Mm-hmm. Maybe a year later or five years later, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something has those seeds have somehow taken on more meaning, and and I can tack more around them and mm-hmm. enrich them in some way that mm-hmm. I couldn't have done before. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fascinating how that process works. Well. Thank you, Len. We're going to take a break and come back. I'm with uh, Len Anderson, who is a poet and a physicist. He's got two books published by Hummingbird Press, and his poetry has appeared in various journals and anthologies. He's received a number of different prizes, including the 2011 Dragonfly Press Award for Outstanding Literary Achievement. He's a co-founder of Poetry Santa Cruz and serves now as secretary treasurer. So we'll be right back. This is Evolve. You're listening to Evolve with host Robin Lisney on Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Find out more at fireflywillows.com. Enjoy the show. Hi, the next musical interlude is again by Irene Ferreira. Uh, from the album Soy de Tea, and this is La Negra de Tamangu. Tamangu. Mm-hmm. 
Anda, dile al tamborero que le dé más duro ahora. Anda, dile al tamborero que le dé más duro ahora. Que si acaso rompe la tambora, yo le regalo otro cuero. Que si acaso rompe la tambora, yo le regalo otro cuero. A chirri, chirra, tienen polva. A chirri, chirra, y mi acoplatita. A chirri, chirra, tienen la negrita con colocar ni donata. Trae un sol en su mirada y un coral en su boquita. Boquita, muy perfumada cual. Yo le voy a pedir que me quiera que sea para mí Nada más que besar su boquita Quisiera dulce como miel De para yo le voy a pedir que me quiera que sea para mí Nada más que besar su boquita Quisiera dulce como miel De para no queda duda de nada de que sale que bonita No queda duda de nada de que sale que bonita Bonita, 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 bonita Vente para acá, negrita, que por ti me estoy muriendo Vente para acá, negrita, que por ti me estoy muriendo No ves que me estoy derritiendo por besarte la boquita No ves que me estoy derritiendo por besarte la boquita A chirri, chirra, tiene mi polpa A chirri, chirra, y muy acopladita A chirri, chirra, tiene la negrita Con su brutal ni donata Trae un sol en su mirada Y un coral en su boquita Boquita, muy perfumada yo le voy a pedir que me quiera que sea para mí Nada más que besar su boquita Quisiera dulce como miel De para yo le voy a pedir que me quiera que sea para mí Nada más que besar su boquita Quisiera dulce como miel De panal no queda duda de nada de que sale bonita No queda duda de nada de que sale bonita Bonita, 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 bonita no ves que por tu boquita yo me estoy volviendo loca No ves que por tu boquita yo me estoy volviendo loca Tanto preciosa pequeñita de que me da por un poco Tanto preciosa pequeñita de que me da por un poco A chirri, chirra, tiene mi polva A chirri, chirra, y muy acopladita A chirri, chirra, tiene la negrita Con su brutal, mi donata Trae un sol en su mirada Y un coral en su boquita Boquita, muy perfumada, cual yo le voy a pedir que me quiera que sea para mí Nada más que besar su boquita Quisiera dulce como miel De para yo le voy a pedir que me quiera que sea para mí Nada más que besar su boquita Quisiera dulce como miel De para no queda duda de nada de que sale negra bonita No queda duda de nada de que sale negra bonita Bonita, 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 bonita Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. We are all in great need of sustainable ideas for change. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of our times. Join us the third Thursday of the month at 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Evolve. Hi, this is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and the show is Evolve. And my guest today is Len Anderson, who's the author of Invented by the Night, published in 2011 by Hummingbird Press, and Affection for the Unknowable, which was published in 2003. He also wrote a chapbook called Beep, which is a version of history of the personal computer rendered in free verse in the manner of Howell by Allen Ginsberg. 
He received his Ph.D. in physics from UC Berkeley, worked in experimental elementary particle physics at Berkeley and Ecole uh, Polytechnique in France, and he's developed sensors for automa automation of paper manufacturing in private industry. His poetry's appeared in a variety of journals and anthologies, and he's won a number of prizes, including the Dragonfly Press Poetry Competition, the Mary Lomberg Smith Poetry Award, and he received the 2011 Dragonfly Press Award for Outstanding Literary Achievement. He's also the co-founder of Poetry Santa Cruz and serves on their board as secretary-treasurer. So welcome back, Glenn. Thank you. Yeah. So you've got some more poems for us, and these are more recent poems. Is that right? Yes. And uh, the other ones, a lot of them had been in your other books, uh, Invented by the Night and Affection for the Unknowable, right? Yeah, all of them were. Uh, all of them were. Okay. So what do you got for us here? Well, um, the subject matter, I mean, you asked before about my spirituality, this mm -hmm. sort of, this third thing that I'm working on uh, aims to work with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, your third book, you mean? Third book, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and what is it? Do you have a title for it yet? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I don't know, the subject is something like um, devout, comma, agnostic. <laughs> so I don't, I don't believe in this or that, mm -hmm. but there's something about the that uh thing that I can't define mm -hmm. which pulls me mm -hmm. deeply into it. Mhm. Mm yeah, I totally understand even though I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> You're there. Yeah, you got right. it. You got it. Uh okay, so you have a poem for us. So this uh, next poem here relates to that. <laughs> Very clearly. Door. In a dream, a door I once followed out brings me in to a room where I find myself in the company of a great silence and fall deep under the spell of longing. Waking to the morning light I call that presence God. Then ask, how would I know? What fool am I to say, what is God? Then, what fool to say, what is not? May I be fool enough to wander in that door, to listen again and again for that silence. Yeah, I love that, asking the question, you know, what is God, and then answering it with the silence. I mean, there seems to be a great agreement about that. <laughs> when you look at different spirituality, that things come out of the silence or out of the mystery. So that's great. Love it. Yeah. So the door, that's, uh, I, uh, I've just been reading a book, um, and of course the, the Poetics, me, although I may have it around here. The Poetics of Space by Gaston Bachelard. Um, 
rooms in a house. It's written by a French author whose name is also escaping me right now, but it has uh, corners and and rooms, and it explores it in literature, in it, it, like a house, you know, what a house is made of, and mm-hmm. and and it's one of the most fascinating books. Um, I keep reading it and rereading it because <laughs> it's uh, it has these lines that pull out of literature, but I feel like you've kind of done that in this poem with the door, you know, like thinking of a door and how that can be between worlds as well as entering a house or into a room or a bathroom or a bedroom, you know, it's a different kind of door. It's a different kind of area um, or a door to a concert hall. You know, they're completely different doors and entrances. So, and then there's doors, definitely doors between worlds. There there are portals in in the universe that are there whether they're in physics or they're in the arts, they're definitely portals. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you actually talk about that in that poem. Like, what is the door to the unknowable? Yeah, and it was a dream, and mm. it just, you know, totally grabbed me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I know that you you like working with your dreams quite a bit, as you were saying before, because you write poetry in the morning after you've had some dreams or images that have come to you. What is your? How does your process in working with dreams or the um, the movement toward working with dreams has that been a recent thing or have you done it for a long time in your work? It has. I mean, I, I did that a little bit before, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I did write down my dreams for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, last year. Poetry Santa Cruz Mm -hmm. (laughs) invited uh, an author here. Yeah, I can't even think of his name now, but Mm -hmm. uh, he's from New Orleans. I remember that. Right. I I, I went to that workshop. (laughs) It was really great. Yeah, he presented a (laughs) workshop on dreams and poetry. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to the workshop. You went to the workshop. We. you know, we each had our own experience of it, but it was big for me. Mm. And uh, afterward, I was contacted by some people who uh, wanted, and so were you, (laughs) (laughs) who wanted to start a a Dreams of Poetry uh, group. Mm -hmm. And so we've been meeting monthly uh, ever since then. Yeah, it's been really fun. I've enjoyed it a great deal. Um, so, and and the images that come out of dreams are just so fascinating to me because they're so bizarre sometimes. You know, you find yourself in some kind of museum and you don't even know what, and the exhibits are alive or something, you know, like so there yeah. can be so many different <laughs> manifestations of dreams and how they impact us um, and how those images impact us. Um, but I love I love that door and how the door opens worlds. It's really fascinating. Okay, you have another poem for us? Oh, could be. (laughs) (laughs) Family. My Aunt Daphne lived to be almost 98, but refused to celebrate her birthday. She didn't believe in age. My wife is the same way. They do have a point. 
The DNA in every cell of my body is a record of the coupling, the union of two living cells from my parents, as was their DNA, and that of all our foreparents. So I am to some degree also all of them and share their birthdays all the way back to the time when the earth was a child and cells began replicating. From this point of view, I am four billion years old and related to every living being on our planet. So now the papaya and grapes I have just eaten and the almond milk I have drunk are from kin. I was brought up Catholic, but now everything I eat is communion, is a God sacrificed that I might live this near eternity in some sense forgiven. Every day I wake surrounded by family and take a deep breath with the billions of cells in my body and in theirs like birthday candles brightly lit. And I thank them as I thank you now for each loving thing you do for our family. Wonderful. So that was, uh, you said that was published somewhere recently? It was published uh, online actually by uh, the the press, Dragonfly Press, Uh (laughs) on their online magazine, which is called DNA. Uh It it was appropriate. Uh (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So I know you have a long poem that you want to read, and I'd love to have you read it. And it was in Rattle recently, isn't that right? That's right, in the spring issue this year. Mm -hmm. So Rattle's a a quarterly magazine that comes out, print, Uh and it's devoted fully to poetry. Yeah, and it's a a great magazine. They also do reviews and um, online. do they do them online or in the magazine? I think they do them online, and then they have a journal, and they have also an online journal, I think, don't they? Uh, they have uh, an extensive website. They publish mm-hmm. uh, the poems, you know, after a, a certain delay, the poems that have been in the magazine, uh-huh. and they have some other, I mean, they put them on the website, and mm-hmm. then uh, they also have, you know, a contest uh, mm-hmm. annually. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, some other poems that they post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're it's, they're active, and uh, I, you know I think it's one of the best magazines around, and that's mm-hmm. why I thought I well maybe I should give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, you got one in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's the name of this thing? So it's it's kind of a long poem. It's, it's that's all right. Close to five minutes long, and. Um, but it uh, brings up a big question. (laughs) The basic question is the title, and then below that I have two lines that explain where that comes from. From a review by Sarah Bakewell of Jim Holt's book, Why Does a World Exist? This was published in the New York Times 
Sunday Book Review on August 2, 2012. So that that book review, reading that book review, was the inspiration for writing this poem. Oh, okay. The basic question, one. There is a wisdom in the taking up of difficult, even impossible, questions. For we are reminded that we are ever fools and thirsty. Two. I am an avid admirer of questions. Rumi tells us only God. I strive to answer my prayers as best I can. Every photon of light sent out by a star and not absorbed on its way to the distant curved reaches eventually swings back. There is only so much, even of nothing, but there's no end to it all. Sometimes I take to chanting quantum field equations, for apart from being a fool of educated prophecy, their chief value is the power to take us deeper into mystery. A day without beauty and pain is not complete. Aren't they two wings of the same bird? The greatest strength of any theory or any other kind of question is to bring us to our knees. Three, God is to be forgiven the rending of eternity into lowly time. Each day, each gasp of air only deepens the tear, yet is a brushing against the airless breath of eternity. This is the cross on which Christ hung and on which we dangle and flail in our dance with arms lifted as a plane groans by, neighbors bounce a basketball, and a single leaf of the Mexican orange tree shudders in the wind, starts to fall. Four, this flaw in everything, not even nothing is perfect. We hear so clearly from the microwave chime out beyond, out beyond the stars, everywhere ringing in perfect pitch an eternal after-scream of the instant of universal birth. This helps me better understand my own failings of which I am also reminded from several directions with a certain frequency such that now I invite them to be my teachers, to walk with me in the neighborhood and before bed, instead of prayer, I bless one of my weaknesses for all the help it offers me and ask it to guide me through the night and the following day. I was too big at birth and my mother torn blessing comes from blood and yields yet more this Jesus knew accepting the crown and cross sacrifice makes holy what is offered we are a gift offered I count my gifts a fool knowing I know not what I am counting this blessing, drink deep, this stain, 
this blood of the gods. Six, we don't know what this world is, for it is never enough and filled with infinite longing. Arms thrown open wide in every direction, bursting in song that has no end. We may foolishly call this the creation, the Big Bang, or just nature, yet we don't know what we're talking about. The difference between the worship of God and astrophysics is really one of musical notation, something at which we are quite clumsy because we hear only part of the song. Don't despair. Just listen as attentively as you can, and when you can't help it, burst into song. Write down what you can in whatever notation you have, and pass it on. You are part of the song. Wonderful. Love that resonant, you are part of the song at the end. It's so great. Well, I love it. Thank you so much, Len. It's been great having you. And I uh, love having that poem read uh, in its entirety because it's such a progression, kind of an evolution. That's how it feels to me. I don't know if you have a comment about it. Or you just want to <laughs> just leave it as it is. <laughs> yeah, it's what happened when I wanted to write about it. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Well, I thank you so much for being on my show. This is Robin White Turtle Lisney. The show's Evolve. And we've been talking to Len Anderson, who's the author of two books of poetry, Invented by the Night and Affection for the Unknowable, both by Hummingbird Press. He also has written a chat book called Beep, and he is a, a, a Ph.D. in physics from UC Berkeley and has worked in experimental particle physics uh, at Berkeley in Ecole Polytechnique in France. Um, his poetry has appeared in various journals and anthologies, and he's received nominations for the Pushcart from DMQ Review and Dragonfly Press Poetry Competition, the Mary Longbird Smith Poetry Award, and the 2011 Dragonfly Press Award for Outstanding Literary Achievement. He's the co-founder of Poetry Santa Cruz and now serves as Secretary Treasurer. Len, it's been a pl uh, pleasure having you on Evolve. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carasella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for our live on-air call-in show, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.